Welcome back to the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series. And the question I've been asking all week, and I'm sure you have too, is did Keith take the year-long lease? Did he go all in? Did his wife talk him out of it or did she support him? What happened? Because you always get to this point when you're running a mini experiment where you have to make the decision. Am I going all in? Am I making this happen? How big could this be? The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Keith, red-headed step tacos. Is it alive? Is it dead? That's the question everyone has in their mind. Did you take the year-long lease? Did you take a break from the mini-experiment? What happened? We're dying to know, because we left last time. You had two days to make the decision. Run us through what happened since we last spoke. Yep, exactly. And uh, probably if you know me well, you would not be surprised that I took the lead. (laughs) 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 Yes, I will say as much as I tried to look from the outside and be, you know, as neutral as possible. I would say deep down, I kind of knew the whole time I was going to take it unless something really convincing came up from talking with people. So yeah, luckily I messaged the guy on uh, Monday, the trailer owner saying, hey, you know, uh, the 15th tomorrow, that's the date we talked about for the end of this experiment. And I guess in his mind, starting the 15th, you know, was the deadline or whatever. So he was expecting to hear from me by the end of the 14th. So yeah, luckily I reached out to him and we had a conversation. But before that, I want to talk to my wife first, you know, since she's the uh, opinion I would value the most. And as you can imagine, with seven kids running around, it's very difficult to find quiet time (laughs) to discuss (laughs) just about anything. So uh, I got up in the morning, I was off to work before, you know, I had a chance to talk to her. But I did put out a post on Facebook in a couple different groups that I'm a part of. One is restaurant owners group, another is a food truck trailer owners group. And I just gave a brief background of the situation and just asked for people's recommendations. And throughout the day, I got, interestingly enough, mixed responses Uh, I will say probably more leaning towards, oh, that's too expensive. And, you know, with the 2,500 a month, and I always replied with, well, what's a better option? You know, um, do people just buy their trailers outright? Are people getting loans to lease one or or finance one, whatever the case may be? And it seemed like a lot of people were just kind of not reading the details of my post. And I was trying to explain, you know, after I pay this off, it's going to be mine. Yes, I'm paying maybe a little more a month than what others might. But, you know, basically after 14 months, I'm going to own the trailer. And so, yeah, a lot of them didn't have good responses to that. And then there were people who did understand. They they said, yeah, that sounds, you know, like a pretty good deal if you stick with it. And if you, you know, you're passionate about it. It could have been that I was... uh, had some confirmation bias, you know, was just looking for the answers that I wanted to hear. But yeah, there wasn't really anything from those responses that were raised any real big red flags. Just uh, like I said, some people warning that could be difficult to 
you know, bring in the 2,500 plus whatever my other expenses were, especially if I'm trying to juggle the full-time job. A lot of people said, just quit the day job, just jump, go all in. So yeah, <laughs> I would say it was somewhat helpful, at least got me thinking about it more. Um, so there was that. I also put out a uh, request for input uh, to my family's group me page or uh, app and uh, asked, you know, what they thought. A lot of my family has been heavily involved. You know, my sister, brother-in-law, nephew are all right there in the trailer. My dad taking orders. So they kind of saw what the whole process looked like. And, you know, they may not be all behind the scenes knowing exactly the details of the deals and everything, but, you know, they still were able to give me some good input on, you know, if they thought it was viable going forward and that, you know, they had some good concerns as well that they brought up and we kind of talked through those. Was anyone completely against it? Did anyone just say you're mad for doing this? So, you know, that's probably what I was really looking for and probably one of the <laughs> few things that would have made me lean towards no. But no, no one was really completely negative. It was more like, yes, we definitely think it could be a good option. And, you know, we encourage you to follow your dreams. But if you're going to make it successful, we really think you need to have a place to prep in advance, that you need to have some employees in place you know, this and that. And so, um, yeah, nothing, no huge red flags, just kind of some concerns that I mostly was already aware of and already working on solving. So did you actually speak to your wife, Keith? You said you didn't have time in the morning. <laughs> did you actually get a chance to talk to her? Did she get to vote? So finally in the afternoon <laughs> after dinner, I had sent that message to the trailer owner. And when he you know, responded back, basically saying that he was expecting a response that evening, then I pulled her aside. I said, hey, I know you're busy. You know, we were cleaning up dinner or whatever. I'm like, but we got to talk. This is your last chance. So yeah, I pulled her aside and I just kind of gave her basically my thoughts on it. You know, what my plans were to make it successful. And I was basically at that point leaning towards taking it. But I was just kind of saying, is there any reason why we shouldn't do this? And she basically didn't have anything absolutely negative to say. And she actually felt pretty comfortable about it. I said, would you be able to sleep at night? Would this keep you up at night if I decide to take this? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, because in the past, that's kind of, I guess you could say one way. I could tell she was not wanting me to do something. You could just, she was asking a lot of questions, voicing a lot of concern, just, you know, very anxious. Whereas with this, she was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I think we could make that work, you know, and so... So yeah, um, after talking about it with her, I said, well, so you're cool with me giving this a shot, you know, and she was supportive. She said, yes. I said, all right, I'm giving the guy a call. It's your last chance. <laughs> Once I tell him, <laughs> yes, it's over. <laughs> so you're fully in. You've got the lease for a year at 2500 a month. And then after the year, you get to decide whether you want to like put the rest in to buy it or hand it back. Exactly. How are you feeling, Keith? How do you feel after all this? Because it was a bit of a roller coaster there at points. Well, it's not a bit of a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would say uh, mixed feelings for sure. Um, excited, you know, at the prospect of making a success. Nervous with those concerns that I'd brought up about, you know, trying to operate in this hot weather. 
maybe that affecting sales or affecting my schedule of when I can operate. Just obviously nervousness over am I going to be able to draw enough attention, draw enough customers in, juggle the day job, all of that. But um, there was one other person I talked to uh, was the trailer owner. Like I said, after I discussed with my wife, I had to give him a call. And I kind of voiced some of those concerns about, you know, the heat. And even he actually brought up, he said, oh, did you operate this last weekend? Because, man, that was that heat was a killer. He says, I'd be surprised if you got anybody coming out with that heat. And I said, yeah, you know, I've actually been a little worried about that. And that's one thing that I'm kind of nervous about going forward. And and then before I could even ask for any concessions or anything, he said, you know what, I'm going to help you out a little bit here. I know it's tough, you know, to get people in the summer. You, know, you may not be able to operate as much as you'd like. So why don't we reduce the rate during uh, the summer months and, you know, we'll tack it on later on in your lease. You can make it up, you know over a period of months or at the end or whatever you prefer. But at least for these hot winter months, uh, we reduce it 500 to the 2000 and try to help you out a little bit. So yeah, I was definitely thankful for that. Should help out at least a little bit, gave me a little bit more confidence and put me at ease. So like I said, I will have to make that up during the fall or winter months, but definitely should make it a little easier to at least make payment uh, during the summer months when it's hot if I'm not able to get out there as much as I would like. It's now mid to late June. It's the 20th of June. What are your plans? Because you've literally just signed this. You've probably just had a bit of breathing space. What are your plans for the coming weeks? Because now you've got it. You've got the license. You've got the thing. We've got to work on commissary and staff and stuff like that and then promotion and all sorts. But you've got it. Do you have plans? Have you thought that far ahead or are you just like, okay, I've done it. Take a breath, work out what to do next. So yeah, the, a little bit of both, I guess you could say, but uh, it's funny you reminded me as you talked about that. I actually did discuss with one more person, which was my local trailer owner friend that ah, has yeah. given me uh, lots of advice. And I figure, you know, he knows the local uh, economy better than anybody in this uh, niche. And so yeah, I reached out to him. He was very gracious and chatted with me probably for 20 minutes, told me basically all, all different things about his experience. And, you know, in the end, he said, this is, you know, your decision. I can't tell you what's best for your individual situation, but if you go for it, you know, just give it your best shot. But yeah, he did give me some uh, good advice on, um, he's paying a little less on his trailer, but he's on like a true lease where at the end of his term, he basically won't own anything. So when I told him my numbers, he was a little concerned at first, like, oh, you know, that's a little high. And then, uh, you know, he found out it, that it was like more lease to own. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's actually not a bad gig. So that was his main concern. But he actually mentioned that he's dropping his hours and days down due to the heat and having to pivot mm. his business and he said that he's looking into some different options. And one of those, he said he was actually prepping to go do a big catering event for some large company. He didn't tell me exactly how many you know, people he'd be feeding, but basically, yeah, big company he would be catering for. And he said that was one of his strategies going forward to combat the heat was to target specific events such as uh, catering for 
large companies. And he said he's also looking at some different festivals and fairs because let's say you have a one day event where you're there all day, you know, instead of just seeing a couple hundred, maybe at the most people coming through at your local spot, you've got literally thousands or sometimes tens of thousands of of attendees at these events. And so he said, you know, that's his plan as well to kind of target some of those events. And instead of having to be open three, four days a week, maybe he just does these big events over the summer and just tries to pack in, you know, as much business as he can in a short amount of time. So uh, I'm definitely going to look into that. Uh, If you remember that from my roots, that's how I started was doing some of these events, but that was in Ohio with my lowly tent where it was a little hard to uh, (laughs) stand out amongst all these big trailers with flashy lights. And uh, my menu there was not really, I found not really targeted towards fair goers because a lot of them already kind of have in their mind what they're going to the fair to get, you know, the funnel cakes, the corn dogs, things like that. And I didn't have the name recognition there with the fry bread tacos and so it was kind of good and bad being unique, but also trying to convince people to try it for the first time. So here in Arizona, we got the name recognition, and I'll be curious to see what kind of reception it would get at a fair or festival. But my initial thought is that it would get better reception just because of the name recognition. So that's kind of one of my strategies after talking with him is looking at some big events, community events to try to pack in those sales in a short amount of time and not have to be out in the heat so much so we've got the trailer for a year we obviously have some pressure to earn because it's costing you money and it has cost you money so far (laughs) however we do have a little bit of time to think about this and you've got an entire year now so june to june from your friend the trailer owner What's the kind of season like? Like, when is the best time to trade in your area near Phoenix? Because there's normally a pattern to every business. So we've got, there's a guy called Adam from Craftbox Club, and nearly all of his sales come just before Christmas because people buy those subscriptions and then there's more in the spring. There's none over the summer and then there's a bit more in the fall. And there's kind of like a, a an up and down wave throughout the year of the business. What's that like for food trucks in your area? Do you know? Yeah, I'd say it definitely would be the cooler months. As I mentioned, I believe last time, a lot of the trailers here actually have been either closing down completely or reducing their hours due to the heat. So not sure exactly how many months, you know, the quote busy period lasts, but I would say any month that has at least bearable weather uh probably from about (laughs) october to april is kind of our nice weather month so i would assume that that's probably when i'd have the best sales and get the most people out there so october to april are the nicest months which now gives us july august september you've got three months until the nice weather are your thoughts to try and because that's two grand a month so you've got six grand going out yeah. Are you going to try and trade to cover that? Are you just going to cover it from your job and your savings and then come back in October? What are your thoughts? Where's your head at, Keith? So, yeah, a uh, little bit of that. Basically, it's kind of one of those things where I might 
test a few things out and if they're working maybe keep doing them if not don't and so yeah it might be kind of a time of experimentation like i said maybe try some big events see how those go but i'm definitely not necessarily trying to set up something permanent you know with permanent hours and things like that because i just don't think it's uh gonna do very well right now if i do open up on a regular basis i'm going to be trying to target the late night crowd obviously due to the temperatures once the sun goes down, it's still hot here. Sometimes it'll still it'll still stay, you know, close to 100 degrees even overnight in the very hot Whoa. times of the the summer. So yeah, a lot of places around here close up kind of early. It seems, and I do hear complaints from people that they wish you know there was a spot they could go late in the evening. We have a couple spots that are open 24 hours, but it's few and far between. So. Yeah. uh, And that would also help with the day job, not interfering with it. So I may try a few late nights out. I did hear from my sister-in-law who suggested that. She said, oh yeah, we talked to the one trailer owner that was doing late hours and he started uh, carrying his weapon on him because he had some people coming demanding his cash at the end of the night. It's like, well, maybe I don't, maybe I don't want to do the late night hours, which it's a little crazy because normally this community is considered to be pretty safe, but I guess, I guess it just depends on where and when you are. But uh, yeah. uh, So I may have to take that into consideration, but I'll probably at least try out some later nights, uh, you know, maybe a seven to 10 or something along those lines and just kind of maybe stay in a, well-lit, well-populated area. (laughs) That sounds insane. That's not something we have to consider in England particularly. (laughs) It's very different. Wow. Okay. So, like, in terms of your headspace, are you in a headspace where you can start to think about the plan? Do you want to start to brainstorm ideas? Or are you in a headspace of, okay, we've done it. I just need to chill for a few weeks and get back to normal. What's your state? Where are you at? Yeah, I'd say I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I took this weekend off just because I'd had a little bit of a crazy couple of weekends. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, it felt very strange, like waking up uh, <laughs> yesterday, not having anything to do. And then waking up again today, I was like, wow, my schedule's very open. This feels weird. But uh, yeah, I'm like I said, I may not jump right in, but I'm definitely open to discussing some ideas. And yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, one other consideration my wife, as you know, is expecting our baby number eight. And basically after her appointment tomorrow, the doctor says uh, he's putting her on the list to uh, go to the hospital as soon as they have openings, essentially, because she traditionally has had very big babies. So they don't want her going past her due oh, date. Wow. So that uh, is just another reason to take some time off to stay at home, support her. So, you know, definitely going to take a couple of weeks off for that. And then one other kind of cool thing that happened, I saw someone advertising on Facebook for this contest in our town put on by, uh, it's actually kind of like a county newspaper, I guess. And they had this contest called Crème de la Copa, because our town is Maricopa, often referred to just as Copa or the Copa. And they were doing some (laughs) contests where you could nominate local businesses for, you know, best restaurant, best glass of wine, best this, best that. And they actually had a category specifically for tacos. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, who knows? They probably don't get many people actually taking the time to vote on here. So 
I was like, it doesn't hurt. I went ahead and put in my own nomination. And then I sent the link out to my family. Um, I put it on my Facebook page. And there was really less than a week left to nominate. And essentially, they would take the top three nominees from the nomination period and move them into official voting. And then people Whoa. would vote on the top three to pick, you know, the best of the best. And so um, I guess the one advantage of having a large family is <laughs> I, I checked, uh, I actually didn't even notice. My brother had to tell me, he said, oh, did you realize you were in the top three? I went to vote and I, I guess I was late and it already showed you in, you know, as one of the top three nominees. So I, I couldn't believe it. I logged on, I scrolled down and sure enough, there it was Redheaded Step Taco number two. So uh, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing that, uh, I feel like I will have to operate at least some period of time during the official voting period, which is from July 1st to July 22nd. And uh, who knows, maybe I will get enough votes and can be declared the best tacos in Maricopa, even as probably the newest taco place as well. I love that. I love that. Because like, that's actually inspired a thought for me, Keith, is what you could do is use the next three months to really build your brand in the town. So the newspapers, the people, the influencers, all of those different things is using the time to build that so that when the busy period comes, you've got all of the business you could need. So creating an experience for an influencer where they come round and you serve them one-to-one, but you don't have to open the truck particularly. You can just cook one thing for them. Uh, it doesn't take too long. They get an amazing experience and it builds the anticipation. You enter the competitions. We do something on Facebook for a competition. Like There's so many things you could do that would build the brand ready for it. And maybe actually it's using the time to create the energy for when you're open late September, October, so that everyone knows you're there and we launch from then. And there's a huge amount of stuff that you can do around promotion then. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, actually. And I think it would take a lot of the pressure off. And because I am traditionally someone that just kind of jumps in, it would be good to have some extra time to just kind of get everything in place. And, you know, I could even put an announcement. Thanks, everyone, for the support for these uh, events that we did. And we're going to be taking what we learned and making any necessary changes and coming back strong in the fall. In the meantime, prepping and getting everything ready to make everyone happy when we reopen. So here's my idea for you, Keith. I think actually the most important thing to do right now is to create a list of everything that didn't work in the first experiment. So the staff, the commissary, the heat, the this and the that, these are the things that didn't work. And then on the right-hand side, what we're going to do to experiment to improve. Yeah. So how we're going to take all of those to improve. So I think the most important thing is taking the learning and applying it and getting ready to come back. The second most important thing, I think, is building the brand ready to go so that people know you're coming. And then we just need to go full out and sell fried bread tacos we need to just sell tacos in the fall by the sounds of it if you can do a couple of sessions over the summer and we can find some ways to do that 
I wondered if there was a big glass air conditioned building that you could drive your truck into and serve staff <laughs> yeah. uh, for some corporate over the summer, which would be amazing. But like, maybe it is, we just need to set up properly for the next one. And you need to use your engineering skills to really engineer through the process, everything that works, how it works so that you are ready to go again. That would be that's feeling like the best thing for you at the moment, especially given baby number eight is on the way. Yep. You need to have some time <laughs> for your family and then spending your time actually thinking on paper, properly engineering the process, the way you're going to run the business for when you relaunch. Yeah, I think that's some great tips and advice there. And uh, yeah, I think that'll set me up the best for success in the fall and come out with some confidence and you know, I'm happy with the way things turned out with the events we did as far as, you know, I did it. I got everything together, you know, sometimes felt like it was falling apart, but pulled through. But, you know, <laughs> as much as it makes me proud of that, I would really like to be able to say, wow, we were fully prepared and maybe we had a few hiccups, but we at least crossed the T's, dotted the I's and everything and mitigated some of those issues. Exactly. Exactly. So I think... Whenever one is running a mini experiment, Keith, one of the most important things is learning from it so that we can apply it to the next one. And you have been so gracious to share everything that's going on with us and the audience. And I think this is critical for me to learn about business, for the audience to learn what we've learned, and for you as well. So let's have a look at what are the top things you have learned doing this mini experiment so that we can all learn and grow together. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share. I think definitely the biggest thing I learned was importance of preparation and having a process in place as far as preparation, uh, the food itself, but also having a good idea of exactly what you need to do to get ready for an event, you know, having a schedule in place. I make a lot of lists just to try to help me stay organized, but going one step beyond that and actually making a schedule saying, you know, at this time I'm going to go pick up the trailer, this time I'm going to go do that. And then, like I said, prepping as much of the food in advance, it was, it was kind of limited, one, because of the day job, two, because I didn't have the commissary, but under ideal circumstances, getting all the vegetables chopped, the meat cooked, the dough made, and oil heated up being completely ready when the start time happens and people walk up and we can just mm. immediately start making some tacos so yeah that uh, definitely became apparent that you know even if there wasn't much I could have done about that with these events due to some of my limitations just knowing that that is an important factor and trying to find ways to solve that for the future you know whether that means getting a commissary where I can do some prep and as we've discussed, maybe working out some flexibility with my job or adjusting the hours on the trailer to give myself sufficient time. So how are you actually going to put in place? You said that the number one thing is the importance of process inside the kitchen. How are you actually going to implement this process? How are you going to think about it going forwards? What does that actually look like? Because it's great to say process is important. I've always found it difficult to go, okay, I know process is important. How do I make sure it actually happens? Yeah, so I definitely need to just sit down and kind of do some brainstorming. Obviously, 
testing it out on the actual trailer is about the only way to know if we got the best process of actually making the tacos, getting the orders out the door. But definitely would do some good to just kind of reflect back on how I was doing it for those couple weekends. And, you know, we had a pretty good process when we had the restaurant in Ohio, or I should say by the end we did, we tweaked some things and uh, <laughs> I felt pretty good about how we did it there. But of course, every kitchen's different, equipment's in different spots. This trailer obviously is very tight on space. So we made a joke. Uh, I think actually it was someone in the restaurant in Ohio. It was also pretty small space in certain parts of it. And they said it was a uh, a one butt kitchen. You know, you can't have two people walking by <laughs> each other or you'll s- slide into each other. So that trailer definitely uh, meets that requirement. So um, yeah, just brainstorming, like I said, coming up with ideas of, you know, where we should have everything placed, how many people we need, what should go first, second, third. And then I will obviously have to test that out in the trailer and, you know, see what works, what doesn't work and keep adjusting as time goes on. I love that. So we've got number one, the importance of process. We've got number two, the preparation for each event, the vegetables, the meat, the oil. We've got number three, the schedule for each day you set about the like before you even get to the kitchen. Because I think one of the biggest pain points was picking up that rental truck every time and the amount of time it took you before you even got to prepare. Absolutely, yeah. And like the one time where it it looked or I uh, forgot my trailer hitch, you know, on the previous rental truck and remembered right as I was driving to pick up the new one for that weekend. So, you know, just things like that that just throw a wrench into everything and add to the stress levels. So, yeah, it would be really nice to just say, oh, got to hop in the truck or the van or whatever and go pick it up. And, you know, that time is defined. There's not so many variables. So, yeah, that's obviously going to come as I can get some more funds in place to go get me a towing vehicle. In the meantime, I could at least probably work around the schedule, maybe get the trailer the night before, and have it all set up, even if it means I got to pay for an extra day on the rental, something like that, just to eliminate that extra headache on the day of. Yes. Uh, and then there's definitely a piece around the having it written down that at this time I'm going to pick up the truck, remember the towing hitch, <laughs> take this equipment with me. Yep. I think having that written down will help you. Because one of the learnings Simon and I had running the Rebel Business School was that we were making this stuff up every time we ran an event. So every time we ran an event, we were sitting there rethinking, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Whereas if we just wrote it down and had a list that when we turned up, it was, okay, when we turn up, make sure the chairs are out, put the speaker on so there's music, set this up so that when people come in here, do a picture on Facebook so people know where you are. There was like a defined list of activities that had to happen and we weren't reimagining it every time because sometimes when we reimagined it, we would forget certain items. Sometimes we'd do it better, <laughs> but sometimes we would forget certain things. So I think for all of us, having that list of things so that we don't have to completely reimagine our business every time we do it, because that takes a lot of brain power. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, adds a lot of stress for sure. And I would say, even if it's not 
you know, at this exact time, if you at least have a time frame linked to every activity. So picking up the trailer, we know it can take up to an hour. So have that on the list. Okay, prepping, we know that can take an hour and then kind of work backwards. Well, if I want to be opening up at this time, that means I got to do this at that time, all the way back to the very beginning. And, you know, okay, based on all of this, I need to get up at this time and start on this first activity. I love that. And then I guess the final piece, were there any learnings around the negotiation, the business side? What was your main thought at that end of the business? Yes, absolutely. As we have discussed a little bit on here before, uh, you know, I went in very optimistic. And uh, as soon as I heard the opportunity was there to have my own trailer, you know, lease to own, it was kind of like, oh, I got to jump on it. You know, I'm not going to find a deal like this out there. But as we've said, there's always other deals. There's always more time and probably should have thought through more and said, hey, uh, realistically, how much time is it going to take to get my license, to get everything in place? And even if I did have to have the trailer first before I could do all that stuff, at least working that into the negotiation and say, hey, you know, I'm not even going to be able to use this for the first month. So to do a one month trial is kind of unrealistic. Can we do a two or a three month, something along those lines? Overall, I think this guy's been pretty reasonable, but, um, you know, just coming to the table with the big picture in mind and being okay with walking away if it's not going to meet my requirements. I think it's so challenging to do that to be in that moment negotiating, going, this is the deal I want. Look at it. It's my future. Mm-hmm. I can be in this truck. Yeah. We can do it. And you get excited. But then to be able to hold yourself and go, okay, take a breath. There'll be lots of opportunities. Just, you know, let's think through. Let's talk about it. I think it's really tough to do that. I think it's really tough to do that. And I completely understand. It's so important to do that. And I think that principle of just take a breath. There's always another opportunity. There's always another thing. And my wife and I always laugh about this. Whenever we're buying something online, it's like limited time offer, buy now or the deal will be gone. (laughs) And it's almost as if we are trained as a nation to go, if we don't buy now, we'll be missing out. And then we take that into everything we're doing. The chances are that the trailer wouldn't have sold over the summer because of the heat. Yeah, exactly. And someone might have picked it up in the fall. The chances are there would have been several other trailers that came on the market because people were like, I can't do this yep. in the heat. <laughs> yeah, you make a good point as far as the uh, thinking it through, you know, not trying to make the decision on the spot. If you uh, think about just kind of sales tactics in general, it seems like a lot of salespeople that I've interacted with, they want you to make a decision right then because they don't want you to have time to think through everything. And so I've tried to condition myself to not fall for that kind of a thing. And if, you know, someone comes trying to sell me something and they're pressuring me to make a decision, I say, well, can you give me the information? Uh, You know, what's your website? Do you have a card? I'd like to think it over and get back with you. And a lot of times, you know, by the next day, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a terrible idea. But, you know, I like to take my time (laughs) and just do the research myself. Not to say that I didn't do that to some extent, but I definitely would say that I didn't fully think everything through and I could have definitely used some more time to just kind of look at all the different variables before making the decision. So that brings us, Keith, pretty much to the end of your mini experiment. 
which obviously you're now continuing. You've got a year-long lease, but this first mini-experiment is kind of wrapping up on a positive note that you are going forwards with the business. If you could just summarize the mini-experiment in a sentence or two for us, I would really love that. Ooh, I'm not good at short responses, so we'll see how this goes here. But (laughs) (laughs) yes, to summarize, I found an opportunity to operate a trailer on an experimental basis for a month or two. I uh, crammed everything that I needed to get done into a short amount of time, had some ups and downs. In the end, I was able to make some sales, get my license in place, you know, almost killed myself in the process. But at the end of the day, (laughs) I think it was a success, gave me some confidence to operate in the new area here, gave me some opportunities for improvement and allowed me to learn some things that I can now take and propel me into the future to hopefully have even more success now that I have a year-long lease. Keith, you are a legend. Thank you for sharing your story, your ideas, your energy with the Rebel Entrepreneur audience. What can we say other than thank you? Thank you, Alan. And oh, you know what? I did want to ask you this and you got to be honest with me. When we left our last conversation, which way did you think I was going to go on it? I knew you were going to take it. I just knew you were going to take it. I thought you were crazy, but I knew you were going to take it. (laughs) That's the response I expected to hear from you. So, well, at least I'm predictable. (laughs) (laughs) Every conversation you were saying, I'm already imagining my next commissary. I'm already imagining my next member of staff. Like in your head, you'd already taken the leash. You were already operating it. So, yeah. I knew this was the way we were going. It was no surprise to me that it happened. I did like the big thing that was in my head is, is your wife going to talk you out of it? Like seven or eight kids, what's she going to say? I didn't know where that conversation was going to go because I haven't met her yet. My wife, Katie said, we should get Keith's wife on the show to tell (laughs) us her opinions. You know, that would make for a very entertaining show, probably. She's a little uh, shy, you know, on the microphone or on the camera, but I don't know. (laughs) Under the right circumstances, we could maybe uh, get her on. And that, honestly, I'd be interested to see what she would say about the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Please do extend the invite from the Rebel, because I think everyone listening to this, I mean, I tell you what, here's the invite. If she comes on, I will get Katie to come on with me. So we will do an episode about the the people who support the humans that are next to the entrepreneurs whilst they do this crazy stuff. So yeah, if she wants to come on, uh, I'm sure we can persuade Katie to come on at the same time. You know, that is a great idea because it's funny you mentioned that uh, you'd said something about, oh yeah, when Katie and I were out on a walk or something, she mentioned this in relation, you know, to your story, whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, sometimes I forget, you know, that you you have a partner because it's just you and me talking on here. And uh, I think that's definitely good to highlight, like you said, the true heroes here that support us and our crazy ideas that are still with us. And um, yeah, I'll have to find some way to bribe her probably, but I'll figure something out. I think that would be a pretty great episode. Well, Katie is just as invested in your story, Keith, as I am. She's uh... Every time we speak, she's like, what's the latest with Keith? What's going on? She gives me ideas. She helps. Uh, she is just as invested in your story as I am. That's great. Awesome. Keith, thank you for being on the Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast. You are a legend. And let's speak again soon. 
Sounds great. We'll see where this goes. I appreciate it. So that brings us to the end of this coaching season with Keith. And wow, <laughs> what a roller coaster it has been going along on this mini experiment with Keith. He took the truck. He worked to get the license. We didn't know if he was going to get the license in time to even be able to operate during the mini experiment. He managed to get two days of operation in, nearly killed himself in the process, came out the other side, lost money, but then decided to keep going. What a journey. And I hope that you have got as much out of this as I have learning along with Keith. A couple of the things I really wanted to talk to you about at the end were, number one, what Keith did was a higher risk mini experiment than we at Rebel Business School and the Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast are used to. Like he took a big risk because he put five grand in for the trailer, plus all the food, the renting of the truck. This is a big risk. And Simon and I are always about doing it for free and not risking your own money. But sometimes there is a small amount of money you need to put in to get it going to risk it. Keith had that money. He was willing to lose that money. He was willing to do it. But this was a high pressure mini experiment. And it put much more pressure on Keith because it was his own money. And this is good and bad. It's good because it gave him time pressure, which he says he likes to make him do things. But I tell you what, you saw the effects of the time pressure on Keith. And it's bad because he didn't have the time to be able to relax through getting the license. He was under the whims of the council process to get that license. And to be fair to the council, they responded very quickly. I mean, I don't know any other council that would have got you through that process in a month to be able to get your license to trade. So this was a high risk mini experiment. And before you do anything like this, I want you to think deeply, is there a way to do it as a lower risk mini experiment? Do I need this pressure to motivate me or can I just take my time and breathe through it? And I think I'm going to say this about the next point as well. It comes back to knowing who you are. I don't particularly need outside pressure to motivate me to do things. I motivate myself to do things. I'm very internally motivated. Whereas I know other people need that external motivation to be able to drive themselves. So having a deadline, having a money riding on something actually does drive certain people to do things. So if you're listening to this, are you a person that needs a deadline, external motivation, or are, someone, are you someone that's motivated enough yourself that you know you just got to get it done. And depending on where you are, depends on how much pressure you put on yourself. Because if you put too much pressure on yourself, it can be bad. But some people need lots of pressure. And now as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, well, this is not great advice, Alan, because how do I know which one of those people I am? Well, I guess the question is, how long have you been thinking about your business idea? If you've been thinking about it for a year, two years, then it sounds like you need pressure and you need deadlines and you need someone to push you into doing it. If you've been thinking about it for a hot minute and you've just dived right in and you've made lots of mistakes and you've done all sorts of things, well, then it sounds like you're the person that doesn't need any pressure. You're fairly self-motivated yourself. Just take a breath, take some space, but keep going forwards. Throwing money into the equation adds pressure to this. 
Simon and I at the Rebel Business School are always big fans of a low-pressure mini-experiment. Doing it without putting your own money on the line, doing it without debt, definitely. Sometimes you need to put a little bit of money in. Most of the time you can find a way to do it without that risk. So there is a discussion about the high-risk mini-experiment that we've just been witness to. The second thing I really wanted to sort of drive home for all of you is there is always another opportunity. Always. So you never have to jump at something that doesn't feel right out of fear of missing it. You don't have to jump in. Now, this also becomes an interesting discussion because how do you balance this take a breath, take a moment with my general advice of stop thinking and start taking action? because you've got to make stuff happen. That's really important. And I think this, again, comes back to knowing who you are as an entrepreneur. Are you someone that dives in at a moment's notice? Or are you someone that hesitates? And knowing which one you are will allow you to move towards the opposite one. Because if you're someone who thinks about things for a long time before taking any action, then I need to push you. You need to push yourself into taking action quickly. If you're someone like Keith, that needs no help pushing himself, that makes decisions and jumps in very quickly, then actually we need to do the opposite and hold you back. Take a breath, discuss, think through the steps as we go forwards. And my closing message to all of you from this season is start to get to know yourself. The better you know yourself as an entrepreneur, the better you know whether you're someone who dives in or spends too long thinking, whether you're someone that needs pressure or doesn't need pressure, whether you're someone that knows that you can do it and has confidence or someone that doesn't have confidence and needs the opposite, the better you know yourself as an entrepreneur, the better you will be able to run your own business happily and with relaxed focus. Thank you for listening to the coaching series. Thank you for being part of this journey. Well, what I'd love from you is feedback, ideas, and thoughts. Visit my website, alandonagan.com. You can see the episodes there. Send me a message with your ideas, your thoughts, what you've taken away from this. If you're actually doing anything with your own business, I'd love some feedback because nothing makes my heart sing more than hearing from the people who are listening to the podcast because we make this for you. Yes, we make it for Keith. Yes, I enjoyed the journey as well. The real purpose of this podcast is to help you create the life you want to create. And that is what it's all about. So please send me some feedback. Leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review on Google Podcasts. We would love a review. We would love some feedback. I really want to know how much this has helped you. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Take these learnings, take these thoughts and go out there and build an extraordinary life. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.